You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so whoever is here, thank you for joining. Um, thank you to Isaacle Rosen, a very dear friend of mine, for putting this together. Um, and we'll kind of go right into it without, without any hakdamos. Everybody knows why there's so much different types of Torah coming out nowadays and why we're utilizing different formats for teaching this type of Torah. But the context in which a person finds themselves is a deeply subjective experience. Now, Levio de Amaris Nafsho, each person understands exactly what the anxiety, what the concern, what the fear is. And there's not necessarily a need to attempt to define it because by defining it, that would make it my own stuff. And the goal is to enable each and every person to feel that their inion, the thing that's affecting them right now, is being spoken to. Now, whatever power words of Torah have, and more importantly, whatever power the words of our tzaddikim have, it should be b'schus, the world, and it should be a schus for all of us to be able to be mitgaber just a little bit more and to find even the slightest kernel of comfort and, and power to continue to move forward. Now, Tonight is also the yard site of Leshem Shabbat Achaloma, of Shlomo Yashav whose picture is right behind us. Now, the Leshem Shabbat was a tzaddik who lived uh, over a hundred years ago, close to a hundred years ago, rather. It was a tzaddik who in his writings, his Kabbalistic writings, was very close with Rav Kook, he was very close with the Chavitz Chaim, he was very close with the Bali Musar. But what the Leshem Shabbat main focus was in many of his svarim, was the process through which the world and existence and history would unfold. Now, it's very easy and exciting for a person when things get rough and things get overwhelming a little bit to throw themselves into the fervor and the excitement that things are changing and that there's a shift afoot and there's things that are happening. And then there's the natural impulse to settle back into the self and say, yeah, but maybe not. Maybe not. I can't be too crazy. I can't be too overwhelmed. I can't be too excited. But I think that what Sadiqim like the Leshem Shabbat Rav Kook, Rabbi Nachman, the Bachshem Tov, the Vilnagon, what they taught us is that it is okay to be excited. It is okay to think that things can change in an instant. It is okay to believe that things have an end and that there's a purpose to things and that the world, in spite of the fact that it appears to be spinning out of control is in truth spinning into a space beyond the control we're used to. And that's not to diminish or to minimize the, the pain or the bewilderment or the overwhelmingness at all. You know, if Soloveitchik spent enough 
ink and writing to express to us that the goal of our system, the goal of Kabbalah, the goal of Judaism is not to ignore this worldly reality, to ignore the pain or the fear or the whirlwind or the existential vacuum that a person seems to find themselves in. But the goal of our religion and the goal of Avoida is to look at the world face to face, unflinchingly, and to say, yes, the world is frightening, but nevertheless, there is a comfort that can be found in the world. It's not to ignore the reality of the world, but rather it's to find within the reality of the world certain kernels of power and, and faith that allow us to be mitmoded with it, to face it, to confront it. Now, I'm going to start with a story, Be'ezras Hashem, and really the entire talk tonight or the entire shir is going to be an attempt to understand this story. Now, it's certainly one of my favorite stories, and I know that it's many people's favorite story. It's a story that's told about Rav Menachem Mendel of Vitebsk, the Vitebsker, the pre Haaretz, one of the preeminent Gedolei HaChasidus, a Talmud of the Maggid of Mezrich, uh, a Rebbe and a Chavar of the Balhatanya, so somebody who wasn't only a student of the Balshemto of Hakadosh, but also was an architect of the Hasidic movement. And the Sefer Pri Haaretz, as Rav Avram Tzvi Kluger points out so often, and different Sadiqim point out. The Priha Aretz is basically a spiritual guide to cognitive behavioral therapy. The promise that if you think a certain way, if you can train your mind to operate in a certain way, then that is your functioning reality. The thoughts that the individual has, the machshava that a person lives with, echoing the statement of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh that, shamhu, that in the place where a person's thoughts are, that's where they are. The Priha Aretz, the Vitebsker, in his writings themselves, which are relatively difficult at times, but the Vitebsker speaks so much about the ability of a Jew, the ability of a human being to settle the mind and to take comfort in the settledness of the mind. Not simply to let the settling of the mind be some psychological mechanism that blocks out the overwhelming darkness of the world, but rather a settling of the mind that actually, somehow, some way, changes the reality that I exist in. Now there's a story told about the Vitebsker, that after his heart was inflamed with the love of Eretz Yisrael, he found himself in Tiveria. Tiveria is an important place. It's a place of Rabbi Akiva, a place of the Ramchal, a place of the Rambam, a place close, close to Rashbi. When Rashbi comes out of his cave, when Rashbi, after being isolated and being in Bedidus and Hispodidus and really in quarantine for 13 years, the first thing that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai comes and does is he comes to the town of Tiveria and he says, what can I fix here? My job now is to fix something. What can I fix here? And the people in Tiveria say to him, they say, you know, there's a, a graveyard that we're not certain whether it's Tumas Misa or not Tumas Misa. We're not sure if the the poisonous sting of death has polluted this space yet. Can the Kohen, can the righteous seer of Israel step foot there? Or is it polluted with the darkness of death? Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai comes along and he says, this is Tahor, it's Tahor here, you can walk here. And as we sing in this Miros of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and Lagba Omer, Tahir ir Tiveria, he came along and he purified the world of Tiveria. He, saved it from the suffix, from the doubtful presence of death. 
And then the end of the Gemara in Masecha Shabbos on Daflam and Gimel comes and says that there was an old man who came along and said, look at this person, look at Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. He's coming to purify death. As if to claim that, who, how dare he come along and claim that it's Tahor here? What does he know? But in truth, our tzaddikim tell us, or tzaddik points it out, that the insults that are thrown at us are very often indicative and representative of our deepest strength. So that yes, in truth, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's job was to come to the town of Tiveria, to enter into the shadow of death, to enter into the suffolk of Thomas Misa, and to proclaim that there's Tahara here. That even in the midst of the clouds of darkness that occlude the sun and the unleashment of the concept of the Malach in the world, that there's a capacity that our tzaddikim give us, that the Zohar HaKadosh gives us, that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai gives us, and that the town of Tiveria gives us, to be able to say that in spite of the fact that there are clouds of doubt here, in spite of the fact that we're not sure if death is here or not, nevertheless, with our faith, we can proclaim that there's no death here whatsoever. So the Vitebsker of Menachem Mendel of Vitebsk found himself in Tiveria, and suddenly the door of his inner chambers fling open, and his students run in and they say, Rebbe, Rebbe, Mashiach has arrived. They're saying Mashiach has arrived. They're announcing in the streets, they're screaming that Mashiach has arrived, redemption is here. And the Vitebsker very calmly stood up from his stender, closed his book, and walked very consciously and calmly over to the window of his cheder, of his room. And he opens the window and he sticks his head outside and he smells the air for a moment. And he brings his head back into the room and he looks at his students and he says, ut, ut, not yet, not yet. And he sits back down at his stender and opens up his book. And after the excitement dwindles down, his Talmidim came to him and they said, Rebbe, you know, we have no doubt that you can be a radar for redemption. But tell us, why did you have to smell outside? Why couldn't you just tell us where you were sitting? And the Vitebsker smiles and he says, because for me in this room right now, Mashiach has already arrived. For me in my cheder panima, in my dalet amos, in my inner space, in my mind, Redemption has arrived already. Everything is okay. Outside, it's not okay. And so in order to see whether redemption has arrived or not, I had to smell the air outside because for me, I can't tell the difference anymore. And this point is what I want to try and describe tonight. How it could be that even though redemption hasn't arrived, even though the Mashiach didn't come for of Menachem Mendel of Vitebsk, nevertheless, he could live in such a space where it was as if Mashiach had already arrived. That the Vitebsker was capable of living with a mindful presence as if redemption had already arrived. And that's what I want to focus on tonight, the possibility of living as if, of acting as if, of cultivating an inner space that in spite of the fact that things are not there yet, in spite of the fact that it's frightening and overwhelming and bewildering to an extent that not only our generation has certainly never experienced before, but the way people are talking and the way it feels, it's hard to imagine that anything like this has been experienced before on a collective and a universal level. The bewilderment and the svekos and the not knowing and the anxiety and the anticipatory fear of what comes next. So the question is, how can we cultivate for ourselves this sense of as if? That like the Vitebsker, we can say it's as if Mashiach has arrived that we can find within ourselves a Kodesh HaKadoshim, an inner point, where we can live as if things are okay, 
even though we don't believe that things are okay, and we certainly don't feel that things are okay. Now with this, we don't have to make recourse to the students of the Arizal, or even to the Zohar, or to the Baal Shem Tov, or to the Grah. We can look at Chazal for this. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of time where Chazal utilize a particularly strange and relatively undiscussed hermeneutic, which is the word ke'ilu, as if. That somebody who learns the Mishnayos or the laws of Kadshim, it's as if they brought korbanos, ke'ilu makriv korbanos, or like we see coming up for the Chag of Geula, what Rav Kook referred to as the springtime of the world, that koil adam tzarech liros atzmo ki'ilu that each and every person needs to see to it as if they were leaving Mitzrayim. It doesn't say a person has to see to it like they left Mitzrayim, but rather as if they left Mitzrayim. Or when it comes to Shabbos, and all of these examples are particular for our discussion, that when Shabbos comes, we have to see to it as if all of our work is done. And lest we think that this is simply a Talmudic hermeneutic act, which is insignificant, we can look at the Rambam, Maimonides, who people have spent their lives trying to measure the choice and the utilization of particular words. The Rambam, when he quotes halachos, he also utilizes the word ke'ilu. That when we look at Hilchos Pesach, the Rambam says as well that Sarach Kol Adam Liros Atzmo Ke'ilu as if they've left Egypt. And furthermore, when we look at the Hilchos of Tefillah of Shmona Esrei, that the halacha of davening is that a person has to see to it Ke'ilu Omed Hamelach, as if they're standing in front of the king. What does this word Ke'ilu do for us? What does this word as if do for us? And what I believe the word as if is doing for us is that it's Chazal's way of teaching us that there are times where you're going to feel something profoundly and very real on an experiential level. There are times where it's going to be abundantly clear in your own most heart that this is how I feel and this is the reality of the world. And there are going to be other times in a person's life where we struggle with feeling that. Where if we're really honest with ourselves, we don't believe that. It's hard to look at the world. It's hard to look at the circumstances, in general and in particular, and say that, things are this or that. Everything is caught up in a doubt and cut through with doubt through and through. So what happens when a person can't authentically say that I have the amuna that things are moving forward or that I have the amuna that all of this is precise and that there's an order to it and that there's a significance to it and that there's a purpose to it. What happens when a person's mind is too confounded and too obstructed based on the very basic reality of what's taking place moment to moment, where when we're deeply honest with ourselves, we can't say that we're there. We can't say that Amuna is helping us right now. We can't say that our Bitachon is helping us right now. Enter in the concept of Ki'ilu. That what Chazal are telling us is that 
sometimes it's okay if you're not truly there, as long as you act as if, as long as you pretend, as long as you say to yourself that I have faith, as long as we can say to ourselves that we have bitachon, as long as we can say to ourselves that everything will be good in the end, as long as we can say to ourselves that as bewildering, as confounding as concealment abides in the world, that nevertheless we truly believe or we say to ourselves that we believe that there's an order to this. Because what Chazal are telling us is that even when it's ki'ilu, even when it's just as if, that's also enough. That's also good. The tzaddikim of Slanim, another very cognitive-based school of Hasidic thought, Slanim or tzaddikim deal so often with the mindset of an individual, with the thinking of an individual. Each and every generation has the interpretation of the same pasuk, he'emanti ki adaber. I have faith and therefore I speak it out, David HaMelech says. I'm faithful and I speak it out. The Slanamar Tzadikim read it as follows. They invert the phrase. He'emanti, I believed, I had faith, I found comfort. I was calm within myself. Why? Ki adaber. Because I spoke like that. Because I pretended to have faith. That by speaking about faith and saying Be'ezras Hashem and Baruch Hashem and Emirz Hashem, all of these different phrases that we utilize, all of these different utterances, these speech acts that we use, build our faith. It's the speaking, it's the pretending, it's the acting as if that forces us into the space of faith. It's not that I had a deep-seated faith and a deep-seated trust, and then I spoke about it, and then I announced it, but rather it's the inversion. Because I spoke about it, because I pretended, because I acted as if, I eventually found myself in that space. Because the deepest secret of pretending, the deepest secret of ki'ilu, is that a person comes to recognize that Ultimately, there's no difference between acting as if and doing it for real. The goal of spirituality, the goal of amuna, the goal of bitachon, is not to give us concrete answers as to what happens next, as if there's some form of certainty that we can abide in. But the goal of amuna and the goal of bitachon is to help us deal and confront with sveikos. And ultimately, it doesn't make a difference whether it's authentic or not, what matters most is that we do it for ourselves. I didn't always think this way. And I can't say that I think this way now. I have moments where I feel okay like this. But I went to Uman, to the kever of Rabbi Nachman of Breslov once for Rosh Hashanah. Twice in my life, once for Rosh Hashanah. About six or seven years ago, I think. And I had the schus of davening in the space of a, of a big tzaddik, Rav Avram Tzvi Kluger, and I was talking to a Breslover chassid there that some of the chevra know, and I was expressing my anxieties, and I was expressing my discomfort, and I was expressing my inability to find certainty in my faith. And beyond the language divide, and beyond the philosophical divide, and even beyond the kind of cultural and socio economic divide that separated me and this old-time Yerushalmi Breslover Chassid, 
he understood that what I was expressing was an anxiety, a fear, an inability to rest assured in the certainty of my faith. And he said something to me at that point, which already seven years later has remained very present in my mind, and it's something that I go to in moments of need. He said to me, I don't understand your question so much, your lack of certainty or your lack of faith. Because, and I'll say it in Hebrew, he says, Either way you slice it, you have nothing. Whether you believe with full faith or whether you live in a world of doubt, either way, the sum result of all of this is that we have absolutely no control over anything. The place where the atheist and the most believing individual kiss is the recognition of powerlessness. Either way you slice it, the human being is powerless. We don't decide what happens next. And the power of amuna and the power of faith is to let us live comfortably, to give us the strength to persevere and move forward in moments of difficulty even though we're not certain, to act as if we have faith. To speak about it and ultimately find that as we're speaking about it, what we thought was faking it is in truth making it. Faking it until you make it is a recovery term. It's a phrase that's utilized in the rooms of the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, of Narcotics Anonymous. And what I've tried to say to my clients that I work with is that the phrase fake it until you make it doesn't mean that there's a stage of faking it which eventually gives birth to a stage of authenticity wherein you can toss away the faking it and live with reality of making it, but rather the ultimate goal of faking it, of acting as if, is to come to a place that it doesn't make a difference. Whether it's deeply seated in an authentic impulse of faith that I know truly, or whether it's in the psychological desire to find some comfort in a world that is more often dark than it is light, the power of faith prevails. It gives us the ability to live in a space of ke'ilu, as if, as if everything is okay. Now, Chazal have referred to our world as olam hazeh, the world of this, almost as if when you knock on a table or when you see another person face to face, something that we should be able to do more often soon, that there's a certain sense of zeh, of thisness, of an inability to question its presence because it's present in front of you. But Olam HaZeh is also referred to as Olam HaDimyon, as a world of imagination, as Alma de Shikra, as a world of lies and falsehood, as Alma Desveka, as a world of doubts. So this world, which is referred to as Zeh, Oilam Hazeh, roughly translated as this, is the world that is comprised of innumerable moments of this, of encounters with other people, with the self, with fear, with anxiety, with hope, with confidence, as if every moment I could say, this is what's happening to me right now. This is what's happening right now. This is what's happening at this moment. It's this concept of zeh that I want to utilize to open up our first makor that we're going to look at. I discovered this makor 
a year ago maybe, and it's become one of my favorite Mikoros. This is from a small safer that was given to me, I believe, outside of a pizza store in Monticello by a simple Jew who was trying to push Rabbi Nachman's svarim on another person. Little did I know that it would save my life multiple times. But it's a sefer called Chaye Maharan. Uh, a biography of sorts that Rabbi Nassim of Nimerov compiled about his Rabbi Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. And this is Ois Tafkuf Tes Zayin in number 516 in the Sefer Chaye Maharan. Rabbi Nassim writes as follows. Amar, he said, in the future that Sadiqim are going to say, and this is based on the statement of Chazal and Mesechas Tainis on the 31st page, this is the God that we have been yearning for. This is the faith. This is the comfort. This is the religiosity. This is the mindfulness that we have been desiring. And Rabbi Nachman said, Ashkenaz, and he announced in Yiddish, and forgive me my impoverished Yiddish, but because it's powerful, I'm going to say it. Rabbi Nachman says that each and every person will say, Taka, Sudem Gat, Habin This God that is revealed to us in the future, when God will Amir Tzashem reveal himself in full presence, is exactly the godliness that I perceived in this world before redemption. There's no difference. Zed, this is it. This is what I experienced in Olam Hazeh. What I'm seeing now in the future is exactly what I experienced in the past. Kaloimar, as if to say, Shagam be'olam hazeh, even in this world, Zachu lahasig oisoi kach, kemoshahim roin oso ata that they merit to realize in the future that God that we perceived in this world, in the world of dimyon, in the world of imagination, in the world of acting as if, is no different than the God that's going to be revealed to us in the world of clarity and absolute knowledge and absolute certainty. V'tamid hayumakavim lirosokach. And the desire and the hope that we had with all of our particular psychological impulses that drove us to find God in this world, that forced us to act as if, now we merited it. The Alkain, Yom Ra'az, and at that point they're going to say, meaning that what we experience in Olam Hazet, all of the moments of zeh, of this, where we're forced to confront the overwhelmingness of this world, the anxiety of this world, and where we live in a world of thisness, of oilam hazeh, the same emuna, the same God, the same comfort that we force ourselves to believe in now, even though we don't fully know it, even though we're not fully authentic about it, is going to be the very same God, so to speak, that we're going to experience in moments of clarity. As if to say that faking it and making it has no distinction. That the way we forced ourselves to pretend in Oilam Hazeh when things were difficult is exactly how it's going to be in the future. Showing us that acting as if, that ki'ilu, even if we're not fully there, gives us a true taste of how things are truly going to be. 
Rav Huttner, also points this out in a remarkable way. Quoting a medrash of Tehillim, he says as follows, that we find throughout Tehillim distinctions, that there's some kapitlach that start off with Ledavid Mizmor, that for David there was a song, and other times we start off with Mizmor Ledavid, a song for David. And Rav Huttner asks the question, what's the difference? So the Maimer Chazal that he bases himself on says as follows, that when the capital of Tehillim says, Ledavid Mizmor, it means that first, David HaMelech experienced faith and connection and comfort and amuna and Dveikus. And that gave birth to his singing. So first he knew it to be true, and then he was able to express it. And when it says Mizmor Ledavid, it means that David HaMelech didn't feel it. David HaMelech didn't believe in it, Kavyachal. But nevertheless, he spoke and he pretended and he acted as if. And by acting as if, eventually it became a true Mizmor. That in times of concealment, when things are difficult, when it's very hard to wrap one's head around about what's taking place, where the sveikos that occlude the comfort of our amuna overtake moments of serenity, that even acting as if pretending, living in a world of imaginative faith, is enough to give comfort to the individual. There's a famous letter from Rav Yusal Salanter, talk about mindful individuals. Rav Yusal Salanter in his Igaris HaMusar famously says, Ha'adam asur b'meskalo v'chafshi b'dimyono. The individual is asur, secured, or structured within their intellectual and rational mind, and they're free in their imagination. Now for the Bali Musar, this was interpreted as saying that to be asur in your sikhlo, to be structured and situated in your rationality was a positive thing. But the danger of imagination is that you're chafshi, you can think anything, like the Rambam writes in Shemayna Prakim. But my Rebbe of Moshe Weinberger Shlita, I don't remember when he said this or where he said this, but I know that he said this. He said that there's a way to invert this reading, to read the letter of Rav Yisrael Salanter in the wrong way. That ha'adam asur b'sichlo, a person when they operate only according to rationality, only when things are truly authentic for them, only when things feel absolutely certain, then a person is constricted, they're stuck, they're asur, they're limited. But chafshi b'dimyono, you want to know how to free yourself? You want to know how to find moments of comfort? Utilize the imagination. Act as if, pretend. Pretend that your amuna is so powerful that you can read the news and look outside and say, alts is git. All is good. Even though it's broken, everything will be good. And even though your mind says, no, I have no idea, and everything has been dark and things can get darker, chas nevertheless, pretend that things are okay. Pretend that you have the faith that sees through the darkness of the world. Doesn't ignore the darkness. It doesn't disregard the warnings of the darkness. 
all of which are chiyuvim, but rather it looks through them and it says, even though it's hard, nevertheless, I'm pretending that I believe everything is going to be okay. That chafshi bedimyono, there's a freedom that comes about when a person opens their mind to what exists beyond rationality. As Bob Marley says so powerfully, a person must emancipate themselves from mental slavery, for none but themselves can free their mind. We live enslaved to the confines of rationality which demand utter authenticity, knowledge of 100% in order to live according to what we think. But if we want to emancipate ourselves from that, if we want to free ourselves from that, we need to believe in the power of our imagination, of acting as if, of realizing that zeh, what I experience in this world, is going to be the same thing that I experience in the next world. I can taste the next world in this world. I could pretend that everything is okay. Like Rav Menachem Mendel of Betep, in my Dalet Amos, in my room, Mashiach is already here. Oh, it's chaos outside? Great, I have to go outside and smell and deal with it. But in my room, the devil is not welcome here. The Malach HaMavis has no room here. There's no space in this room for him. Because here everything is okay. Gam ki lo irara ki imadi. I can be surrounded by the shadow of death. I can be surrounded by the worst anxieties. And leiv yodea maras nafsho. But lo irara ki imadi. I can still choose to not be afraid because I can imagine that you are with me. Oh, do I feel it 100%? I can't speak for anybody else, but these days, moments of faith last, what, 30 seconds until a person is thrown back into chaos of anxiety? But the goal is, again, to be mitgaber and to pretend again, and he'emanti kiyadaber, and to say, Baruch Hashem and Be'ezra Hashem. Now, what we saw from Rabbi Nachman, of zeh Hashem kivinu lo, the power of zeh, it's not a chiddush, it's more of a drush. But it's important sometimes to remember that no matter what point in history a person finds themselves in, Mashiach is not the invention of the Vilnagon or the Barshemto. And it's not the invention of the Zohar HaKadosh. It's a halachically binding concept. For the Rambam in the 12th Iker, that anima'amim be'emuna shalema be'viya samashiach, so the Rambam is announcing that there's a fundamental need, a theological demand to believe and to anticipate the arrival of redemption. Yeah. And again, redemption means something for each and every person differently. Again, the etymology of yitmameya, ma, ma. What is going on? I can ask what, and then when I get an answer, I ask what again, because the confusion is so overwhelming. But the Rambam uses an interesting Lashon. He says, Im kol zeh basically means, nevertheless, even though he tarries, I still anticipate his arrival every day. But based on what Rabbi Nachman wrote 
about zeh, about finding God in this world, of pretending and realizing that our pretending is the same as how it will be in the real way, we can interpret the words of the Rambam in a different way. Even though he tarries, even though we wait daily, with every zeh, with every moment of zeh, every experience of this world that forces us to say this and that and this and that and the bewilderment of Elam Hazet, im kol zeh, with every moment of zeh, echakilo, I wait for him, bechol yom sheyavo. Then I merit to bring Mashiach into my life every day by waiting, by trying to find Hashem and Mashiach and redemption in every zeh, in every moment of this world, that's how I'm zocha to bringing Mashiach and redemption and Hashem into my life. Bechol yom sheyavo. Every day he arrives. Every day the hope for redemption, the hope for emuna, is in and of itself its own arrival. Rav Yaakov Moshe Chalap, writes very powerfully in the sixth volume of Memarum. From the Wellsprings of Salvation, a safer that I can't recommend enough, especially nowadays. It's like, um, it's like the greatest therapeutic engagement ever. Rav Yaakov Moshe Chalap says something profound. He says that Sepia to Yeshua, the desire for redemption, the anticipation of redemption is on a certain level greater than redemption itself. Why? Because when redemption arrives, we'll only have a taste of it. Because redemption will always be bigger than what we can possibly imagine. But in our anticipation of it, in our desire for it, in our yearning of it, each and every one of us has the imaginative capacity to conceive of every possible good thing that we want. Every part of our fiber in its desire for a shift in order, of redemption, of cognitive redemption, of historic redemption, whatever it might be, in moments of waiting for it, we taste it by acting as if we already bring it into our lives. There's a story that has kind of been on my mind a remarkable amount, and I saw it, and I want to thank publicly because I see her, I want to thank Faye Landis and the Landis family for giving me this book, it's a book of Hasidic stories that are, the title of it, I'm forgetting the author's name right now, but anybody who wants, or the compiler's name, but anyone who wants, I'm happy to share afterwards. His name is, sorry, his name is ben, Benjamin Shvili, Benny Shvili. Perfect, thank you, Benny Shvili. It's, the title of the book is taken from a story. It's called The Day That Gehenim Burnt. The day that the Baal Shem Tov was born, Biyom Shenolad HaBaal Shem Tov, Nisraf HaGehenim. Gehenim was burnt. And there's a story that I found. And it's a story about the brothers, Rav Elimelech of Legenz and Rav Zusha Meanipoli, two of the sacred brothers of our tradition. And both of them were talking and they were saying how they keep Shabbos with such intensity, with their sharing Torah and their singing and their Hasidim sitting with them. And they feel the presence of godliness. They feel the light of certainty in a way that they could not have imagined previously on Shabbos. But they were worried, perhaps this is just our own ego worship. 
Perhaps it's not really about Shabbos or Hashem, but perhaps we're just excited about doing our thing. And they became very overwhelmed by this prospect. So the brothers, Rav Elimelech and Rav Zushia, decided that we're going to hold Shabbos during the week. We're going to set up our tish and hold a table and dress like it's Shabbos and act like it's Shabbos and pretend it's Shabbos. And we'll see how we feel. If we feel the excitement and the spiritual intensity that we feel on Shabbos during the week, then we'll know that it was Shaloy Lishma. Then we'll know that it wasn't authentic because clearly it's not about Shabbos, it's about us. So Kachava, they held Shabbos during the week. They set the table and they got dressed and they entered into the space of Shabbos in their mind. And they felt that Hislavos, they felt that comfort and that awareness of godliness and that faith. And they met up with each other and they said, Oy vey, we're messes. Clearly it's about us and not about Shabbos or Hashem. So they ran to their Rebbe, the Magad of Mezrich. They ran to their Rebbe and they said, Rebbe, Rebbe, we're broken. We're liars. We're foolish. We've been serving ourselves. We haven't been serving Shabbos. And they tell the Magad of Mezrich, the scribe and the mouthpiece of the Balsham Chusam They told them the whole Maisa. The Magid said, calm down, calm down. He says, are you so surprised that you pretended it was Shabbos, that you dressed like it was Shabbos, that you acted like it was Shabbos? Are you surprised that it was really Shabbos for you? Meaning to say, the way I interpret the story is that if you pretend it's Shabbos and you act like it's Shabbos and you live in the mindset that it's Shabbos, so then ultimately there's very little difference between it actually being Shabbos and pretending it's Shabbos. You acted as if, you pretended everything was okay, you pretended that you had the deep faith that you needed, and that's how you felt. That the zeh that we feel in this world is the same zeh that we're going to see in the future world that the amuna that we live with in this lifetime, when it's cut through with doubts that throw us for a loop, ultimately, that's the deepest flavor of faith. That's the ability of a person to say that right now, in my four amos, Mashiach is here already. I don't have to smell outside. What I want to end with is a teaching from Rav Kook. Rav Avram Yitzhak HaKohen Kook, student of the Lesham Shavobachaloma. Rather, we're not going to end with this Rav Kook. We'll end with a teaching from the Lesham for his yard site. Rav Kook says as follows in Musar Avicha, on Daf 26, on the 26th page. Kisha Adam Poyel Ezel Dabar Shoshlemus. When a person engages in any act that is rooted in fullness or wholeness, Meaning to say, for our circumstances, when a person attempts to cultivate any connectivity to spiritual comfort, whether it is in action or in thought, a person needs to be grateful and satisfied and joyous with their lot and not chase after anything else. And then there's an addendum to this text, one of the few 
places in Rav Kook's writings where there's a footnote that Rav Siyuhuda wrote, Hosafa Meksav Yad Kadsho, an addition that was added with the writing of Rav Kook himself. And here Rav Kook adds a reasoning for this. Why is it that wherever we find ourselves, we need to believe that that's where we are? That whatever our mindset is at that moment, we need to find the capacity to take comfort in it and not look elsewhere. Rav Kook added as follows. Kikol ha'olam kulo mitkafel lefanav az dafka Because the entirety of the world, the entirety of existence is folded within the moment within, a per, within which a person finds themselves. That as we sit in chol, in choyli, in sickness, and, and the chol, the non-Shabbos, the world of chol, the world of sickness, the world of impoverishment, the world of destitution, the world of loneliness and isolation, and the world of existential quandaries that cut through the heart of an individual's faith. We must find the capacity to find within that moment everything that we need. Because in truth, everything that we need is in that moment. That whether or not it's authentic or not, everything is present in front of us in that moment of pretending. Because ha'adam chafshi bidimyono, the person is free in their imagination. Rav Matul Zilber Shlita, the Sachina Rebbe says as follows, we always know that there's a distinction between doing things authentically or lishma and doing things non-authentically or for the wrong reason or pretending. And Chazal have told us, our rabbis have said, that a person should always act as if even though they're still pretending, because eventually they'll come to a place of authenticity. Rav Matul says as follows, the statement of Chazal is, It doesn't mean that through acting as if, I will eventually come to a place of as if, but mitoch also means inside of it, within it, within lo lishma, within on inauthentic spiritual faith, a person can find authenticity. Because bein kach bein kach, ultimately what we're searching for is comfort. And as the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh te- tells us, when a person touches a part of the essence, even though they haven't grasped the essence entirely, they grab the entirety of the essence. That folded, with it, folded within the inessential or the faking it is contained the making it. And to end with a statement that the Lashem Shabbat writes very often when describing the nature of the writings of the Arizal, he uses a very difficult phrase, a phrase that I subsequently realized that all of our tzaddikim used. The Nefshachayim uses it, the Balatanya uses it, Rabbi Nachman uses it. The phrase is as follows, Mamish Kavyachol. Mamish Kavyachol. Mamish means certainly, absolutely, authentically, in a real way. And kavyachol means ke'ilu, it means as if. So how can we balance these two statements? It's with opening ourselves up to a space of thinking or consciousness beyond mere rationalism, which allows us to say that even though it's not real, it's still real. Even though I'm not there yet, I can still pretend that it's there.
And Be'ezra Sashem, I'm speaking to myself right now, He'emanti ki adaber. The more we pretend to believe, the more we pretend to have faith, the more we pretend to be trusting, the more we'll find that we live within the comfortable space of faith and trust, which means that there's a direction, that things are moving forward. Be'ezra Sashem Yisbarach. And so again, everybody should have a refuah shalema and everybody should find menucha sanefesh and everybody should find the ability to live within the moments of ki'ilu in a time where faith is stuttering, where faith is imbalanced, Bezra Hashem. Thank you, everybody who came and joined. Thank you, thank you. And, and again, before I end, I just want to, I want to say that I want to thank Isaac Rosen again for putting this together. Isaac Rosen has been putting a lot of effort into sharing Torah, sponsored Torah in a time of concealment. And anybody who wants to reach out and kind of participate and be mayfits the light of our moon and our bitachon should kind of either be in contact with me or be in contact with Isaac and Bezra Hashem. The light should only continue to grow and it should get brighter and brighter and things should happen slowly but surely and we should only hear good news, Bezra Hashem. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.